If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Today, I just want to talk about church. Is that all right? Pretty good subject. I just want to talk about church. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. This is Paul giving admonishment to the elders in the Ephesian church. And this is what he said. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we bless you. We thank you for your spirit and your presence that is real among us today. Lord, as we enter in to the banqueting table of the Master, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, our souls, and our minds. Thank you for the church. Thank you for what the church means to us. We are grateful to you. God, I pray that every heart in this place would be stirred. Hmm. Holy Ghost, have your way. May the name of Jesus be glorified. We thank you for it. In Christ's name. And the church said, Amen. I believe that you drove on to the parking lot of the most important location in Pulaski County. I believe that you walked in the doors of the most important place in the community. I believe that you are in the most valuable, divinely ordained organism in the whole world, and that is the church. Let me say today, the world has made the church of little value. And many Christian believers have made the church among their priorities. But God, the great creator, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and the Holy Spirit, the powerful and peaceful dove from heaven, have declared the church to be the most valuable organization on the whole earth. <laughs> we are not perfect, but we are priceless. I'll say that again. We are not perfect, but we are priceless. Let me talk for a few moments about the value of the church. What makes the church so valuable? Is it the ascetics of the outside of the building or the stained glass and chandeliers of the inside of the building? Maybe if we had a newer state-of-the-art gym or a kicking 
kids' ministry room. That would increase our value. Maybe we need more and multicolor stage lights or a smoke machine that creates a haze and a concert effect. I mean, choke on the smoke, but boy, do you look cool. We could have the praise team rise up out of the floor. Or we could have the worship leader descend from the rafters. Are we more valuable as a church if we're more multicultural than if we were just one color of skin? Are we more valuable if we have politicians that stand in the pulpit? Would that make us more valuable or more noticeable? Are we more valuable if we sing more hymns than we do contemporary or contemporary more than we do traditional? Next week, we're going to do a throwback with some hymns, and I believe it's going to be great. But I know how to worship God with the latest and the greatest contemporary music that comes down as long as it glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. So we ask the question, what makes us valuable? Well, the Scripture tells us what makes the church valuable. The first thing I would tell you is that we are valuable because we are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 5, it says, We being many are one body in Christ, and every one are members of another. <clears throat> Can I just tell you something today that may shock some of us diehards? And that is that God is not assembly of God. Jesus is not Baptist. The Holy Spirit is not church of God. Archangels are not Methodists. And I'm telling you, Mother Mary sure ain't no Catholic. Come on, somebody ought to be saying amen. We are one body in Christ Jesus. And he is the head. And that naturally makes the church a valuable organism in this world. He wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And he said, now you are the body of Christ. And to the Ephesian church, he said, God gave Jesus to be the head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And so to the Romans and to the Corinthians and to the Ephesians and this morning to the present Pulaskians that are here, we are the body of Christ. And when we are filled, when the arms and the legs and the eyes and the ears and the mouth and the fingers and toes, when we're filled with nothing but Jesus, with all of Jesus, then we have perfected the plan that God has for his church. Thank God that we are the body of Christ. We are not perfect, but we sure are priceless. Another reason that we are the body of Christ, another reason that we're valuable rather, is that not only are we the body of Christ, but we are the building of God. We are the building of God, and that makes us extremely valuable. On one occasion, Jesus looked at his disciples, and he asked this question, he said, whom do men say that I am? 
And then he followed up by saying, but who do you say that I am? And the apostle Peter looked at him in Matthew 16, and he said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked back and said, Simon Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. And then he went on to say some key words. And upon this rock, the declaration that you just made, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will will not prevail against it. I'm telling you we're valuable today because we are the building of Almighty God. This is not the Moose Lodge. It's not the place for the bingo hall regulars. This is not City Hall or the Virginia House of Delegates. This gathering is so much greater than any and all of those put together. This is the building of Jesus Christ and the forces of darkness cannot stand up against God's building. Oh, Somebody ought to rejoice today. You're part of the greatest organism in the world if you're part of the church of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2 and 21, Paul said, We all as the building are fitly framed together, growing unto a holy temple unto the Lord. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2 and 5, and he says, you are lively stones, and you build up a spiritual house. I'm telling you today, the church is valuable because we are the body of Christ. The church is valuable today because we are the building of God. But I tell you, there's one more reason that I want to uh, share with you today as to why the church is so valuable. And I say it's the greatest reason reason. And it's not because we are the body of Christ or not because we are the building of God. But I believe the main reason the church is, is priceless in the eyes of God is because of how much cost was involved in us even becoming the church of Jesus Christ. The currency that purchased us, that made us who we are today. You say, what was that currency? I'll tell you exactly what that currency was. We read it this morning. The church was purchased with Jesus' blood. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. This makes the church not perfect, but it certainly makes us priceless. And that's why as your pastor, I am warned to take heed to myself and to the flock which he has made me overseer of, to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. It is not the halls of Congress. It is Hallelujah Highway. It is not Wall Street. It is Glory Land Way. It is not the Supreme Court with all of its liberal and conservative justices that have gone so far off centered with their moral compass. It is the, it is the courts of the Lord. It is the church of Jesus Christ. It is not the White house. It is the church house. And I tell you, I'll take a little country church any day with 25 members that are lifting their hands to the Lord and serving God with all of their heart than I would what's happening at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I, I will say it again. We are not perfect, but we are priceless because we've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, I wish somebody would rejoice in the Lord if you are the redeemed of the Lord. Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I'm glad to be part of the church. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. You see, I think we need to be reminded that the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit will one day be taken out of this world. And when it happens, all hell will truly break loose. And do you know when that's going to happen? It's going to happen when that same Holy Spirit quickens the church that he dwells in and we're taken up to meet Jesus in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What I'm telling you is, and I'll stake my life on it, that the priceless church indwelt by the Holy Spirit is what is holding this world together. <laughs> We're not perfect, but we sure are priceless. <laughs> You're part of the greatest organism in the world. The church of Jesus. We're no greater value than a 30-member country church. We are no less in value than a church that runs in the thousands. When he comes back to get his church, he's not going to stop by Joel's church in Houston or Jensen's church in Gainesville. He's not going to stop by uh, some hot shots church with a big name. He's coming after the dead in Christ. And when he comes after the dead in Christ, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then when the dead in Christ rise, then we which are alive and remain, the church that has been purchased with his blood, are going to rise to meet him in the clouds. And forever we will be with the Lord. We got to keep perspective. The church is priceless. It's valuable because we are his body. We're priceless because we are God's building. We are priceless because he has purchased us with his own blood. So if the church is priceless... Let me talk biblically about attendance to church. This is where you start groaning. I hear this often. I've heard it a lot since I've been here. It's become a catchphrase. Don't just attend the church, be the church. And while I grasp the theology behind that statement, because we are the ecclesia, the called out ones. I believe some have used that as a crutch to lay out a church. <laughs> so let me reverse this this morning. Let's not just be the church, let's go to church. There's a thought. Mm. Come back next week, we'll talk about something different. Actually, I'm not even preaching next week. You'll get an extended break. As your shepherd, I will tell you this. You should attend church. Many of you here should attend church more than you currently attend. Let's ask the critical question today. Why is attending church regularly so important? 
I'm going to give you three reasons. I gave you three reasons why the church is valuable. Now I'm going to give you three reasons why you ought to be attending church. The first reason I'll tell you is that God expects you to attend church. Listen to this. Hebrews 10.25 in the New Living Translation. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord, the day of his return, is drawing near. They say, I can't believe you're preaching on this. Why? Have you not noticed the trend? Have you not been watching church culture? In 2005, 14 years ago, 47% of American adults said they attend church in a given weekend. But the truth of the matter is, over the last 14 years, that percentage has fallen dramatically. Trends are not moving in a favorable direction. Many professing believers are averaging attending about three out of eight Sundays, attending worship somewhere. This is not just research. I see it with my own eyes. But let me just paint a picture for you. It's been a few years ago now, but I remember making a mission trip. Our church where I was pastoring was building a church down in Champerico, Guatemala. And I remember flying out of America and into Guatemala City and traveling about four hours to where we were doing the construction. And I saw something I never, ever, it was indelibly etched upon my mind. I watched an hour before service started that evening. I watched as pickup trucks that had 30 people standing in the bed of the pickup truck, jammed and sardined up in there together just to come to church. I watched people on bicycles, not one person on a bicycle. I watched three and four people on handlebars straddling the back axle of a wheel. I got, hey, one person had a bike, but four people wanted to come to church. And they made a way to get to the house of the Lord. That left an indelible image upon my mind. I'm telling you, when altar time came, I'll never forget this. I gave one of those altar invitations that in an American church you might see two or three people respond. I gave that altar invitation that night, and there was not two or three people that responded. There was only two or three people left in the seats. The place was jammed, wall-to-wall people, but everybody there was hungry for God. They, I'm telling you, in the American church, we have lost our hunger for God. We have lost our thirst for the things of God. But I say like the prophet, rend the heavens and come down again in the American church and bring about a revival and a renewal, a hunger for the things of the Lord. I'm telling you, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of his house. There are great things that happen in the house of God. We've got to make it a priority to say I'm going to God's house because I'm hungry for an encounter with the Lord. Hundred and sixty-eight hours. It began at twelve AM last night. It will end Saturday night at eleven fifty-nine PM. And God asks you for four hours or two point three percent 
of your whole week to come to church, the most valuable place in the world. God, your Father, expects you to come to church. Another reason to attend, attend church regularly is not only does God expect it, but faith requires it. Faith requires it. Listen to this. This is not abstract theology. This is not just some theory or idea. It's the Word. And the Word in Romans 10 says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. We're not coming to see each other. This is not your social club, your happy hour. We, I mean, we have some in suits, and, and we have some in jeans. We, we, don't, we don't have this, this, this hard dress code that squeezes people out. Now, we do like for you to be modest and keep your business inside. I'm telling you, I've seen some stuff in church. I was riding down the road yesterday in the parking lot at Big Lots. I turned to my wife and I said, it was them legging things. Some lady was crossing the parking lot. I turned to my wife and I said, she should have stuck with black. <laughs> That's the truth. It's one thing to see it out there. It's a whole new ball game to see it up in God's house. Come on now. Hmm. This isn't our basketball hangout or a place to get a free meal or a place to check in with our buddies on our NFL fantasy points or to talk about the fish that were biting or weren't biting at the tournament last week. This is church. This is church. This is where God hears from us in worship and we hear from him through his word. You may have had one of those dry, shank-boned, Sahara Desert kind of week where no refreshing has been, has come, and you need the windows of heaven to open up, and you need the fountains of the deep to break up, and what you need is a word from God because your faith has been tested and tried. It's been baked and it's been fried, but somebody ought to shout, you know what? It may have been like that this week, but it's a new week, and I'm in the house of God today. I came to church and my faith is going to be more when I leave than when I came. Hallelujah. See, we come in at different levels in different places. One brother said to me this morning, I said, how's your, how's your week going? Man, it's been a rough week. How many of us are like that? We come in and the tank is it's down a quarter or down a half or down three quarters. or We may be here running on fumes. But one thing you're not hearing, you're not just hearing a preacher with his opinions. You're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And when you hear the gospel and it takes a hold of you, whether you're on fumes or a quarter or a half tank or three quarter, something begins to rise up in you and say, you know what? It's a new week. Bring it on, devil. Bring it on, storms. Let the kids act like a bunch of heathen. And you almost think they need to be exercised and the demons cast out of them because the flesh gets a hold of them. But the bottom line is you're in the house of God and you can take on anything because your faith has been inspired and encouraged. Thank God I'm in church today. So God expects it. He does. And faith requires it. Finally, your inner man needs it. Your inner man needs it. 1 John 1, 3, listen to what it says. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. That you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. You hug me or each other, you're fellowshipping with God also. I shake your hand, I fellowship with Jesus also. We need each other. We are so aloof and disconnected. I remember growing up when my mom and dad, there was a, there was a precious elderly couple in the church. And their names, and I tell you no lie, their names were brother and sister love. And I remember as a, a preteen, a kid, where are we going tonight? We're going to see brother and sister love. Well, I knew what that meant for me. I have some good food coming my way. I didn't mind at all. And I'm telling you, we went in there, and that elderly couple would love all over me as a kid. And they would uh, just affirm me and encourage me and, and build me up. I remember those times. We're not spending time enough together. We're not going out to eat enough together. We're not having each other in our homes, respectively, like we should. Come on now, somebody help me preach. In the New Testament church, they were breaking bread from house to house. We should know. Now, nine times out of ten, you're going to come back next Sunday and sit in the same seat you're sitting in today. Pretty accurate guess. There may be a few of you. I want to see what happens from that side of the sanctuary. I don't know. But most of the time, we're creatures of habit. And in a church this size... We don't get around to shake everybody's hands. We don't. We don't know everybody by name. But I dare say, you know the people, if you've been here any length of time, that are in the two or three rows around you. And when they're laying out of church, you ought to be following up on them. Man, that's good preaching. You ought to be checking up on them. 
You ought to be ministering to them. Inner man needs church. This man needs the gym four days a week. I really do. Many times the weather is too hot, too cold, too rainy. Sometimes it's too perfect. <laughs> Even when the weather isn't a factor, sometimes I just don't feel a three-mile run or an hour of cardio. But there's something larger at stake. My health. My sanity. My mortality. My longevity. Hey, I just, I just go, if I don't go for any other reason, I just want my clothes to fit. Hello. That's got to be a constraining, Brother Weaver, that has to be a constraining influence for me to push myself. How much more the inner man needs the fellowship of the church? You need fellowship with me. I need fellowship with you. And when we come together, it leads to fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Attending church is a discipline. Much like exercise, the weather's not always right. The inner man doesn't always feel it. Lazy boy feels better. The pillow is beckoning for another hour. I can watch a preacher on TV in my jammies. But there'll be no fellowship with that TV preacher. You call him up and let me know if he calls you back. But we need the fellowship of the Trinity. And we need the fellowship of the saints. I'm challenged and constrained of the Holy Spirit to challenge you to ramp up your commitment to church. For some of you here, that means instead of attending once a month, you'll start every Sunday with an attitude of expectancy. For others, it will be adding life groups at 930 so that you can be discipled and not just inspired. Oh, I'm preaching real good now. For others, still it'll be adding Wednesday night because you're like the psalmist in Psalms 65 and 4. I shall be satisfied only with the goodness of your house. And let me look straight and appreciate and affirm Every one of you who watch service live or archived every week. Because distance prohibits you from being here. Or because health keeps you from being in the house of God. But let me also encourage you. And this is going to rub. But if you opted for Facebook... Just because it was convenient, instead of being in the house of God, your inner man is missing out. We love you in the Lord, but your inner man...
is missing out. We're not perfect, but we are priceless. I don't know how people walk away from the church. The devil gets in between their ears, gets in their heart, leads them aside and asunder and wreak havoc. Sometimes we think there ain't much happening in church. I came across this 40 years ago, a Philadelphia congregation watched as three nine-year-old boys were baptized and joined the church. Not long after that, the church sold the building and disbanded. One of those boys was Dr. Tony Campolo, Christian sociologist at Eastern University, Pennsylvania. And Dr. Campolo remembers, years later when I was doing research in the archives of our denomination, I decided to look up the church report for the year of my baptism. There was my name and Dick White, who is now a missionary, and Bert Newman, who is a professor of theology at an African seminary. But Campolo read the church report for the year he joined the church, and it said this, It has not been a good year for our church. We have lost 27 members. Three joined but they were only children. Our measuring stick is so carnal, is so human, we have no idea the depth of work that God does in people's lives when they come to the house of God. I have stood and bombed a message People looking at me with that glazed look in their eyes like we had no idea what you were talking about. You were way off today. I remember one, I was just starting out in ministry and I bombed Joe. If anybody bombed a sermon, I bombed it. Brother Joey, people were walking out and I couldn't wait till they were all gone. I could turn the lights off, go home, eat my fried chicken and get up in the bed and pull the covers up over and forget the whole thing. But one of the last little elderly ladies walked out of there and she said, I needed that today. And even we preachers sometimes forget that it's not about us. It's about the Word of God flowing through us. When you come together in church, the most valuable organism in the world, things are bound to happen in your life. I wonder if there's anyone in the house that would just give God some praise because you're part of the church. Would you do that right now? Hallelujah. 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 Come on, praise him. Come on, praise him. Come on, praise him. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You're part of the church. Somebody shout, I'm in church today. Somebody shout, I'm in church today. Somebody shout, I'm in church today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
In Psalms 27 and 4, it's summed up like this. One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is just a foretaste of glory divine. Thank God for the church. His body, his building, that that's been purchased with his own blood. The Holy Spirit have your way. We're going to pray for anybody that needs prayer because we're the church. But we're going to specifically start out by praying for two babies. A little baby named Ariel that's one month old. A little girl. A little baby boy named Braxton that's one year old. And so I'm going to ask Anola or Chris, whichever one of y'all can come up here. For Braxton and Alex, I'm going to ask you to come up here for Ariel. And we're going to pray. That's what we do in church, isn't it? That's what we believe in, right? Ain't that what Jesus said? You know, my house is a house of prayer. We believe. We believe with the laying on of hands. So I want some men and women to gather around Alex. And I want some men and women to gather around Enola and Christine. And we're going to pray. I know I got more faith people in this house than this. We're going to pray. We're going to be the church right now. If you need healing in your body right where you are, I want you to stand to your feet quickly all over this house. Stand to your feet if you need a touch from God. Come on quickly. Come on quickly. Come on quickly. All right, men and women of God, they're standing all over. There's two in the back. They're standing right around you. Take authority in the name of Jesus. Come on, look around you. If you're not standing, look around. Look around. Look around. You that are at the altar, you that are at the altar, go and find those that are standing in the church. Come on, I want to make sure somebody's got a believer laying hands on them right now. Come on, quickly. Come on. If they're standing with their hands raised, they need prayer. They need prayer. Go lay hands on them. Go lay hands on them. If you have to get out of your seat, and go to where they are. You say, I'm not comfortable with this. Let me tell you, let your faith rise. Your faith may be the difference right now. In the name of Jesus, be the church. Be the church. Be the church. Be the church. God doesn't just heal from on high. He heals transference between believers as they fellowship one with another. Sing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.